Butchula blondila, blondie blondicula, blondie blondicula, tulula bella. What in the world is that? Something our theater teacher used to make us do to like un. Uh, unique our New lips. York. <laughs> unique cinnamon, 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 cinnamon. <laughs> that was incredible. Let's yeah. do that again. Butchula blondila, blondie blondicula, blondie blondicula, tulula bella. What? I don't know. She always made us do it. It's stuck in my head. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. What a vocal warm-up. Do you do that before you sing? No, 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 no. I actually, I do like lip bubbles. What are lip bubbles? <laughs> oh, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. And with that, Karina Gerard and I are all warmed up for the afterword, which starts now. Welcome to the afterward. I'm here with Karina Gerard. Karina, what's up? Man, it's been a, it's been a hot minute since you and I have sat down on the afterward and talked. Yeah. So I'm really glad to have you. I can't even recall the last time. Uh, it has yeah. been a while. Yeah, I don't know. It, COVID makes everything a, a weird well. fog. So this past weekend, uh, we talk. We're talking on the three loves, and this love is the the final love, and it's love your neighbor. Mm. And I would venture to say, as long as I've known you, this has been the love you've, you've been one of the most passionate about. Absolutely. Um, this is my jam. Do you think it's because there's a deficiency um, as you've seen it in the church? Or do you think it's because for you it's the, the clearest articulation of what it means to love God? Like, Gosh, honestly, I have to say probably because I was so radically rescued and so radically transformed. And I know that there are people, like I had lived my whole life without ever really ever hearing anything about Jesus. Yeah. Like I literally had no idea Easter had anything to do with Jesus when I was like <laughs> 17 years old. Like you could live in like a first world country in a major like metropolitan city and live your whole life and not really know anything about Jesus. Mm. And that has theological implications, but the way that that played out in my life was like despair and destruction. Like I needed rescuing. Um, and somehow, you know, I ended up living all these years of my life without having an encounter um, with a Christ follower who was willing to share any of that with me. And so hmm. um, I think just knowing, first of all, like the power of God that's available in people's life that could transform everything about the trajectory of their life. Like right. I've experienced that. I want to share that. Right. Um, has turned up the temperature of that in my own personal life. But it's never gone down. It wasn't like a temporary turning up. It yeah. feels like it's always on boil. It is always on boil. That's what it feels yeah. like. That's what it feels yeah. like. Yeah. And and I do think too, you are right. Like it is sometimes um, hard for me to view um, some of my brothers and sisters inside the church who don't see the same sense of urgency that I do. And so I, yeah. I'd like to be contagious in right. that. Uh, there's also sometimes, and, and again, not to be negative on this, but we've seen an antagonism toward people who believe differently sometimes from Christians. I'm not, I'm not saying in, in, in Westgate. I'm just saying in Christendom as we look at things. Social media certainly doesn't make this better. You and I had a, a side conversation where, like you said, I'm not even sure this is helpful. Like in terms of social media, um, do you see social media actually hurting people's ability to love their neighbor? 
Absolutely, absolutely. I think the anonymity that we have gives us the ability to harm one another without feeling any possible repercussions of that. Yeah. Well, you know, when you're a kid um, and and you said something mean to somebody on the playground and their face would fall and they would maybe start crying and they'd walk away, you're like, oh, man, that feels like that's terrible that I shouldn't have done that. There's an immediate feedback loop as a human. You just don't get that on Absolutely. social media. Or on the side of the town that I lived in, we were going to throw hands. So <laughs> a little bit different. <laughs> I was talking about when I was a, a child on the playground. Were you talking about when you were a child on the playground? Absolutely. absolutely. Karina stabbing some Let fools. me tell you. Let me tell you. My Kickball. BC days. My BC <laughs> days. But um, yeah, I think you know there are so many ways that we hide behind uh, digital platforms. Yeah. So let in, in your message, I thought it was really interesting. You, you talk about the outward expansion of Jesus. Mm. So let's start at that part. Like the, the, the starting point is like A and then it goes to B and C. And your point is that Jesus is trying to expand us out. You said we start with don't harm, which is kind of a basic. And, and really what you're doing is you're going from this text in 2 Corinthians. I'm going to read the text. And I'm going to jump in and ask you about this. It says, so from now on, this is Paul speaking to the church at Corinth. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we no longer do so. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, huge word here, as though God himself were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So that's kind of a central text that you you also focus on the Good Samaritan. Uh, We'll put that on pause for right now. But coming out of this, your thought and this is that there's an outward expansion that Jesus is calling us to. What did you mean by that? Like ABC, these circles that kind of go outward. Absolutely. So, you know, this whole series, we're calling it Called Out. And Called Out actually has kind of two parts to it. We are called out from something, Mm -hmm. from this old way of living, but we're also being called out to something. Right. So there's this place that we started, and Jesus is actually pushing us, kind of like an eagle pushing his baby out of the nest, right? He's pushing us further and further. And so, like, where did we start? The Second Corinthians says that we used to regard people in this worldly way. And really um, going to be talking about dehumanization and how uh, most people are just uh, expendable extras in a film about us. We are the central character and really we have a hard time even um, looking at others as valuable outside of tools that are either helping or hindering our own personal agendas. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, actually, Just a real selfish view of other people. Yeah. Andy Gridley, when he was doing Love One Another, talked about how we're curved inward yeah. and how Jesus' invitation actually is for us to be curved outward. And so um, instead of us being the central players, Jesus is calling us to view people in a different kind of way beyond just not dehumanizing them and using them mm-hmm. as tools. He actually moves us outward where we humanize them, which, you know, bare minimum, we're treating them with tolerance or politeness or kindness. But he actually goes as far to say, like, don't pat yourself on the back. Like, even corrupt tax collectors do that. Like, he's actually pushing us farther than that to sacredizing 
every single man, woman, and child where we you would just made that word them. up. You just I, made that word up. I invented sacredize. a word. It actually was in the dictionary. Sacredize. <laughs> I could have said sanctify, but I feel like yeah. sacredize is a better Makes word. Bi- okay, so there's so much to unpack here. So you say the, the kind of the world or the bare minimum of the starting point is do not dehumanize people. Right, but let's just stop there. There's a lot of that. There's a lot of that all over. We dehumanize people, and and you, your your other core contention is this starts very small. This starts with language. Absolutely. There's this great podcast with the famous Brene Brown. Yeah. And I'd actually love to read a quote from oh, that let's podcast. Do it. She says this Once we perceive others as inhuman, we create an opening that allows us to circumvent our hardwired social feeling, the foundation of morality that impedes us from causing them harm. Social feeling embraces those who don't share our values, culture, race, or ethnicity until we no longer perceive them as human. Dehumanization begins with words like, he's such an animal, or she poisons the community, or they are contaminants to our culture. When we perceive others as less than human, this serves as a loophole to the moral imperative, and this loophole enabled the Nazis to perpetrate the Holocaust. This loophole made it possible for the horrors of slavery mm. for hundreds of years. That's certainly true. I mean, even with dehumanization, I mean, the the, the tattoos on the arm, are like, you're not a name, you're, you're a, a barcode. You're, you're a barcode, you're a right? There's code. And also mm-hmm. the ripping of names of the African slaves. I mean, the the propaganda. Yeah, even unfortunately, let's let's be honest. The propaganda in the in World War II against Japanese led to the internment camps of the absolutely you know, the Hutus and the Tutsis. They were it, calling them just, cockroaches. It just keeps going. It and and does keep what going. you're referring to is Rwanda in the Rwandan genocide that took place in the 90s. Uh, the point is, this is something humans do, but it's also something that you and I do. If yes. left to our worst impulses, we dehumanize people with words, how we think about them. Um, and you're saying that Jesus is saying not just to not dehumanize people, but that's not... That's not enough. That's 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 a great starting place. Yeah. That's a great starting place. Yeah. If you're dehumanizing people, like <laughs> Jesus' invitation is to stop it. Yes. But then to go even further, because Paul says you used to regard right. people in this way. We are called out of something, okay? To, right. But we're called to something. God's calling us further out to expand the boundaries to encompass not only like just your neighbor, but even the stranger. So what did you mean by sacredize? So if not dehumanizing mm-hmm. is the bare starting place. So what did you mean by sacredize? Yes. So what does that look like? Sacredizing is this beautiful concept that, to my knowledge, is only found in the ethic of Christianity, the Imago Dei, that right. every single man, woman, and child is made in the image of God. In the image of God, he created them, and yeah. he said it is good. And there's no qualifiers to that. He's not saying, okay, only people who are following Jesus are Imago Dei. He's saying that Everyone is Imago Day, and because of that, he's actively pursuing them. We serve a pursuing God that leaves the 99 to go and find the one. I mean, saving Private Ryan to the nth level, sure. this pursuing God, why is he pursuing so hard? I mean, Psalm 23 says, well, pursue me all the days of my life. Why? Because 
you are made in his image. You're made of his stuff and he loves you radically and all he wants is for you to come home. And that's what we see in the second Corinthians five, that God is making his appeal, like God is begging. If you could imagine a begging God calling, come back home to me. Like, I just love you so much and I just want you to know I made you, I love you, and there's a place for you here in the kingdom of God. Yeah. Uh, and like you said, um, you, you, you kind of, it was a throwaway line. You said something about like tolerance and kindness is like not not the goal. It, yeah. It's like that's where most people end. Well, I'll just be tolerant. I'll be kind to people who are different. But it's a little bit more aggressive. He says, Paul even says, we're ambassadors making God's plea, his appeal to folks. Be reconciled to God. Um, okay. But then there's another side of this too or another another concentric circle uh, the outward expansion, and it moves from don't harm, which is the bare minimum, kind of legally and ethically, to something else. So talk about how you kind of saw that pattern in the New Testament. Yeah, yeah, there's these three verses, and it goes from bare minimum to like, okay, and then like the Jesus call. You know, bare minimum, Romans chapter 13, it says, love does no harm to a neighbor. So you might be like, okay, I'm not hurting my neighbor like I checked the box, but Jesus is like... But, okay, can we pause there for yeah, a second there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there are times when we do harm to neighbors. Absolutely. And and I think part of it is not paying attention to when they're hurt. Yeah. Um, and so when we live in society, there's, there's that aspect. So the bare minimum is don't do any harm. Absolutely. Okay, but... You said that's not where this We're is going. We're being called out of that right. into something new. The next level is Matthew chapter 22. Jesus says, and he's repeating from Leviticus chapter 19, uh, verse 18, love your neighbor as yourself. So the bar right. is raised significantly So not just don't higher. do harm, but actively treat them the way you treat yourself, which right. is kind of the love your neighbor as yourself, right? Matthew. Exactly. And this is repeated in Luke and, and Mark. Um, and then, but is that where it starts? But it goes further. Jesus is not done yet. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus actually says in Matthew chapter 5, if, if you're kind to your friends or you're nice to those who are nice to you, like, I'm not, that don't impress me much. Uh, is that some like, Shania? Shania! <laughs> <laughs> that don't impress me much. Jesus loves Shania. Um, but he said, that is not enough. You actually have to go further than that. I mm -hmm. want you to love your enemy. Yeah. Which is really That's hard. hard. It's yeah. really hard. And in this day and age, we have literally made enemies out of everyone. Like, yeah. if you don't think like me, you're off the list. Uh. Like, it's so easy with Facebook and Instagram. You just click this button. It's like unfollow, unfriend, you know, cancel, humiliate them, <clears throat> mock them. And like, and Jesus is like, no, I, and then he tells this crazy parable. Mm -hmm. And you're like, what? Like, he chooses this person, this Samaritan, to be the hero of this story and puts us in a very uncomfortable position where we're really forced to re-comprehend what it looks like to love a neighbor. But Jesus is saying, no, I'm actually asking you to love the one 
who um, there's 1,000 years of hatred and right. tit for tat and reasons why you should hate one another. I actually want you to actively pursue that person because he's the pursuing God. Like, here's the crazy thing. This is what God did for us. Like, God pursued us when we were enemies. While we were yet enemies. He loved us yeah. while we were. We didn't make a step towards him. He made the step towards us, and he's saying, I actually am I'm calling you out. Yeah to go and live that same sort of life mm -hmm. as my ambassadors, because that's what ambassadors do. Like an ambassador represents a kingdom, an agenda of a kingdom, and portrays- That is not theirs. That is not theirs. Exactly. They have to sub subjugate their own agendas and their own opinions and even their own words and speak only for the king, what the king would want. Absolutely. And, and to enact that uh. out in the world. Now this is not easy. No, okay. This okay. So not easy. So one of the things that it, it does kind of seem like we're being glib about this, mm. but it's on the boots on the ground. It's very difficult. And you kind of shared a situation in your own court, literally, literally your neighbor. Yeah. So talk about that because maybe not everyone heard that story. Um, if they weren't at the South Hills campus, uh, you had you you had to live this out. And this is the way it works. Whenever you teach on something. God is often like, you'd like a lesson on this? Let yeah, me teach you a lesson yeah, on this. Yeah, it's really great, you know, that whole Hosea Gomer thing when God makes you <laughs> enact stuff in real life. I'm like, mm, I, I'd, I'd be okay if we skip that, God. But um, yeah, it's so funny. You know, I spoke at Saratoga campus maybe a year ago about hospitality. Oh, yeah. And this same sort of, you know, call Openness, for us yeah. to love our neighbor. And I just moved into this new neighborhood, and God's opening all these doors for me to, like, love my actual physical Was this the neighbors. watermelon thing? The watermelon story. Where you started bringing watermelon to the pool and exactly. just said, hey, everybody, free watermelon. And that's how you got to know your neighbors? Exactly. Okay. And so many beautiful things came out of that. Well, during the fires last year, Yes. A new couple moved in, and this new couple didn't want to have anything to do with anyone. And it was so confusing because everyone else on our, we live on like a cul-de-sac, everyone wants to like have block parties, and we did like a karaoke party, and we paint birdhouses, and we like do all these fun things together. But these new neighbors, they're only like 30 years old, but they hate Apparently, it feels like they hate everyone and everything. They installed like 99 security cameras around the perimeter of their condo. And um, I just received a letter. I just got back from a six-week sabbatical, and I came home to an HOA letter saying that I'm being called to a hearing because my neighbors have complaints against me, um, footage about things with my dogs and things they don't like. So... Um, so painful oh, for me, so painful for me. And it's so interesting because, you know, when we say love your neighbor, I think, I, I really believe that this call is both a call to action, but also a call to emotion. I think emotions are involved. I think hmm. God wants me to love. The Samaritan, he saw the man who was injured, and it says he felt compassion for him. And he so, was moved. Um, I'm going to be honest, real honest. Honest, uh, honest Karina, right honest here. Honest Karina, right here. Um, 
I don't emotionally feel love for this neighbor, <laughs> okay? I, I just don't. Um, but one thing I can do, um, you know, I can't fake feelings. I can't, I can't muster them up. But one thing I can do is I can ask God to give me what I don't have. And there's this beautiful prayer that says, God, replace my heart of stone for a heart of flesh. Ezekiel, um, right? That's that language, exactly. right? Yeah. Literally every time I go and I walk my dog... I pray two things. So they have reported you to the HOA. They've against. reported me. Is it because your dog is peeing on their yard or something? Uh, no, it's on it's on public property. But, but it's close yeah. to them. They don't like it's, this. Yeah, oh. they literally have no. It, mm, yep. <laughs> I'm sorry. Did I trigger Deep you? Breaths, I didn't mean Karina. to. I didn't mean to. Deep breaths. Um, so antagonistic Every time I'm neighbors. walking yeah. my dog, I pray two things. One is that God would change my emotive outlook towards them, that he could, just like we read in 2 Corinthians 5, that I no longer view them from a human point of view. I need the Holy Spirit to come transform my heart, replace my heart of stone with a heart of flesh, come replace my eyes, give me eyes to see them, not as um, goblins, but as made in the image of God, that God actually really loves them and is pursuing them. And if they're acting this way, they must be really hurt or something's going on in their person life that they would, you know, behave like this, but just be softened towards them. Just pray for a softening in my heart. And then I keep praying for an opportunity to have a kind conversation with them. I'm just mm. praying for a door. Right. God, give me a door. God, change my heart and God, yeah. open a door. Paul prays for that too. He's like, pray that there might be some open doors that we could walk through. Have you had any? Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. And it's been, it's been a few months. Yes. I months mean, and months and not very many open doors. These folks moved in at the fires last year. That's like so a year. it's the whole year that, that there have been these weird tensions and then I've gotten this this HOA letter uh, a couple of weeks ago. Oh, so man. Maybe that'll be an open door for you to maybe explain or mend fences. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm really praying so and hoping so. And, you know, we live in the now and not yet. Like, yeah. you know, I haven't got my happy ending to the story. Right. And, and that's also okay because we live in a real world. And sure. You might not get it. God, they might be mean until the day they die. They may be. And yet, I'm still, still called, called to, to love, love them. Yeah. Like when Christmas came around, I made homemade caramels for every single person on my street and I wrote every person on my street a letter. Did you skip them? Did no. you skip them? Including I would have skipped them. them. I would have said no oh, caramels for you. No caramels. No soup for you. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, so you made caramels for them. I made caramels for them. And did they respond them. in any they way? They did not respond. But It doesn't matter. But here's the thing. It doesn't like, matter. I hated God's guts and he kept loving me yeah. until I could yeah. hear it one day. Like, yeah. you just don't know how long you have to love a person until they're able to receive it. And even like... They may never be able to hear it from me. Maybe they'll hear it from someone else, but you don't know what role you played in the journey of that person to their ability to receive love. Like, just because it's not reciprocated, like, here's the thing, it's not based on reciprocation. Like, Jesus didn't move towards you based on how you would respond to his love. He's like, I'm dying on the cross for you, whether you like it or not. And I really hope that you join me in this God life thing because there's abundant life for you on this side. And yeah. until you do, I'm literally like a hound of heaven gonna pursue you every second of every day until hopefully one day you will see how much I care for you. Yeah, man, that's beautiful. Well, Karina, um, I, we pray for your neighbors and for open doors for, for that. I hope that that yeah. happens. But 
what is cool about that is, like you said, even if they never turn, God's still doing the work in you to transform you into more like Jesus. And that's his invitation to me and to everyone listening. Um, If you've got a hard person. So as we kind of close this, I'd love for you to give some advice to somebody who's got a hard person in their life that's very difficult to love. Uh, If I were to say there's a person in my life who is really hard for me to love right now, chances are some folks who are listening have somebody who just popped in their mind. It's like, ah, it's like a splinter in their side. It is, it's a sore spot. What advice would you give? Because you've walked through this. What advice do you have right now in light of this? Yeah, I would say first and foremost, a meditation on the love that God has for you in your worst moments. Like really, you know, at your darkest moment, at the time when you were most off, God loved you and moved in compassion towards you, okay? So you're not giving to someone what you haven't already been the recipient of. Like, start there. Second, ask for it. Like, I believe the Holy Spirit is right here. He's available, he's present, and he can give you grace to do what you can't do on your own. And Mm -hmm. just saying, look, I don't have it. Like, just being honest with yourself, honest with God. Like, I don't feel, you know, sparkly, love giggles towards this person. I kind of want to kick him in the face, you know, like. Sparkly love giggles actually was the name of my punk rock band back in college. So thanks for bringing that up. Nice, nice. Uh, Just, you know, just asking the spirit to soften your heart. Yeah, yeah. Um, Really asking God, give me eyes to see doors and give me courage to walk through them when they're open. Yeah. Like, and it might be humiliating, like, here, like, I think about the humiliation of Christ. Think about the creator of the universe, yeah. like humiliating himself to be a helpless child in diapers, you know, to allow people to spit on him. Like it, Jesus said, like, carry your cross. I know it's like not sexy or popular, but like Jesus is okay with saying, you may have to lay down some comfort. You may have to lay down some rights to love others, Mm. Um, but be willing um, to make a fool of yourself if that's what's required, a fool for love, you know, the cardigans. (laughs) Did you just quote love fool? Oh, yes, I did. Yes, I did. Oh, my goodness. Oh, come on. the doors you know and you may be rejected and that's really okay like be okay with that um knowing that you are one of many many voices that god is putting in that person's life because god really loves them yeah like really loves them one of the practices that i love to do um this sounds kind of weird or silly but i love this when i'm at a red light or if i'm standing in line at a grocery store yeah i love um to actually just lift my eyes and look around. A lot of times we're kind of like zoned out during those times. I like to like lift my head, look around and just meditate on the reality. Like every face I'm seeing right now, like these are people that God loves and thinking like, I wonder what God's doing in their life. Hmm. I wonder how God is pursuing them. And then like actively like Holy Spirit, maybe you would open a door for me to like be an ambassador right now. I don't know what that would look like and maybe I'm a little scared, but would you open a door today? Yeah. Or even just being kind and treating people that way. Oh. I have a friend who has a special needs kid. Mm-hmm. And when she is out with him in public, she has noticed that people 
are turning crueler and crueler in their words yeah. toward her and toward him. Because wow. he's disruptive. You know, he's, he's basically got Tourette's. He's, he's loud. He's, he's, it's difficult, you know, in, in, in public spaces. She's trying as hard as she can. And she has noticed that people are being, um, they feel permission to be cruel, to be dehumanizing yeah. uh, to her, to, to, to him, you know. And so when people come up and are kind, it feels like the very voice of God. Absolutely. Do you see what I'm saying? It's yeah. like this kind of thing. And I think that if that's that's true, I, I just keep thinking about those words. Don't harm, don't dehumanize. Like even if we could get there, but then to move to the outer circles that you talked about, love your enemy and treat everyone as a sacred image of God, That I really only think that's possible through the indwelling and the help of the Holy Spirit. Left to myself, not only will I not harm and not dehumanize, I will harm and I will dehumanize, I have no capacity for this. None. Just left to myself. So the involving the Holy Spirit is not just a good idea. It's imperative. It's impossible otherwise. So, um, Karina, thanks. This is really fun, uh, challenging, but fun and beautiful too. So thanks for your constant um, fire on this topic, I would say. And uh, I just pray that we can all continue to get better at this one. Yeah, I think the world depends on it. Mm, Fantastic. Thanks, Karina. All right, just want to say thanks to Karina Gerard for stopping by. I think the people have voted and the people have spoken, Karina. Next time, you and I need to do some Shania karaoke. I think that's... That clearly is what needs to happen. Join me next week where we finish out our sermon series called out. Jay Kim and I will be talking about what is the church and why it matters that we even come together on Sunday. What's it matter? Can't we just stay at home in our PJs and just watch church? It'd be so much easier for everybody. Jay and I will talk about why that's not actually uh, what the Bible has in mind. So join us next week for that and we'll see you then. Yeah. Can that be the intro song? Yeah.